Welcome to Solar Voice, a podcast series designed to help you master change within. Millions of people around the world are now awakening to the fact that changes in your life begins with changes in you. In Solar Voice, I share with you my experiences, thoughts and ideas that I have formed from my experience of helping people from all walks of life. So today, as you listen to this podcast, you may discover something that might help you make a real change in your life. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the extraordinary advantage a practitioner of neuro-linguistic programmer has in terms of decision-making. Now, decision-making is a very, very, very critical concept. It is something that decides your future. Let's face it, the, the future that we create is dependent on the decisions we make now. Every moment, we are in a situation where we have to decide what to do next. In the night, just before you sleep, you have a decision to make. Do you sleep right now or do you sleep after finishing something else, you have to value, you have to sort, you have to prioritize in business, in work, in personal life. In every moment, every individual makes decisions. And these decisions decides the quality of their life to a large extent. I have a story of two individuals who were born in a humble background. Both of them lost their parents when, when they were very young. One of them became a thief. The other became a celebrity musician. And we have countless examples of this in history where in the same situation where someone failed, another person chose to rise up, was determined to make a different path, to lay a different foundation. And all this boils down to the quality of decisions we make. In fact, in his book, Judgment, Neil Tichy comments about how judgment is the single most important attribute of a great leader to be able to make great choices. And uh, Neil Tichy was the mentor for uh, Jack Welch, who was the CEO for GE. And he emphasizes again and again on the importance of good judgment. So what is the connection between NLP and making good judgment? What is the connection between NLP and the art of decision making? Well, everything. NLP from its beginning has always been about making the best choice in any situation given an ongoing continuous feedback. And Dr. John Grinder and Richard Bandler demonstrated this uh, by by pulling out stunts, like, you know, Dr. John Grinder would go on top of a stage and say, okay, I'm now going to demonstrate something that I have never shown before. And then somebody on the uh, would come up and uh, present the problem. And at that moment, John would go into this super zen-like state, uptime. And, and from that moment on, he would decide what his, his next step going to be. Until that moment, John doesn't know what, it, what his next step is going to be. But as soon as he's there in the situation, now he has given himself an opportunity to make the best decision of what to do next. 
by getting into that zen-like uptime state. And this is true about anything. How many times have you been angry and you made a decision that you regretted later? And NLP is all about state choice. So that the next time you're angry, you're not angry enough to make a silly decision. Wow, that changes everything. If you just take a moment and you pause for a moment and you look back in your life and look at all the nasty decisions that you took, the stupid decisions that you took because you were either angry or irritated and and just consider how your life would be different if you didn't make those decisions and if you did it differently. What I'm proposing is that neurolinguistic programming, by the virtue of its ability to change your control and influence over your own states and emotions, helps you make decisions better. Now, there is also another thing. In his book, uh, Blink, Malcolm Gladwell talks about how in a blink of an eye, people have made decisions, people have made complex processes to evaluate whether to go ahead or not. And there's so much going on inside of the unconscious in processing large volumes of data from our experiences in the past until now. And how in a blink of an eye, such complex activities are taking place. And NLP has been proposing this ever since its inception, that there are choices we're making at a very unconscious level that sometimes might look irrational to the conscious mind. And NLP has emphasized on the importance of training your intuition and recognizing when your intuition is working and how to make it work even more effectively. And NLP presents a variety of tools on how to improve your intuition as well as understand the meaning of your intuition. Now, NLP has done a lot of work in terms of intuition. In answering the question, how reliable is this? Where does it come from? Can it be trusted? How do you distinguish between one intuition from the other and so on? In this episode, I'm going to attempt to answer some of them. First off, intuition is very trainable. To illustrate, I'm going to excite an example of Virginia Satir. Uh, she, was a, she was a change agent who was very good at what she did. And a uh, long time ago, when uh, people approached her and asked her, how do you get results that nobody else gets? She said, well, just follow your intuition. Now, this is true if you had her intuition based on her years of experience of getting successful results and knowing what works from what doesn't work intuitively. So John and Richard didn't take that answer at face value and they studied Virginia and did everything she did until they had an intuition that was as evolved as hers was in that specific field. So that's just an illustration of how we are not born with an intuition always. We are born with intuitions for certain things and for other things we have to train it. The more you do something methodically, systematically and pay attention to an ongoing feedback, the more you would be able to train this intuition to be able to give you better, better results. A long time ago when people didn't have the current gadgets for navigation, they used to rely on the stars and the moon. And there are some tribes for whom they have to navigate and there would be seasons where for months the sky is covered with wind and, uh, and mist and they can't see 
the stars. And they still have to navigate because they have limited resources, they need to go from one place to another. And uh, in those situations, they would use a very well-trained intuition. Not any intuition, but a well-trained intuition. And this is how they train their intuition. When the stars are visible and they can see the sky, and when they know they are in the right direction, they would lie down in their boat and they would let their hands feel the currents in the water. They would do for weeks, they would do this for months. And what happens is the body is now learning how it feels intuitively when you're in the right direction. Now this wouldn't have been possible if they didn't have another system for reference. They had the stars as a navigational guide. So a part of building the intuition involves having another mechanism for getting an ongoing feedback. Now when I say feedback here, I'm not referring to a written statement by a colleague or a friend. I'm responding to your sensory observation of an ongoing situation. For example, you, you are a stockbroker and you decide let's put so and so amount into this stock and then you make money. That's feedback. That's positive feedback. Okay, that decision worked. Uh, and then you put money again into another thing and then it goes down. That's again feedback, a very useful negative feedback that that intuition wasn't so helpful. In whatever you do, as long as you set up another system, another measurement to know whether what you're doing is correct or wrong, you are designed to build a powerful intuition with that feedback. So I propose that just giving yourself the opportunity to have continuous feedback will build in a powerful intuition in that specific field. Now, this is very easy to say, but very difficult to do. For example, you know, somebody who is wanting to make a lot of friends and this person feels that they are always bored at home, unable to uh, engage in a conversation with people. Now, this person goes and starts a conversation and somewhere in the conversation slides into a very boring topic. And he or she sees people uh, being disinterested and shifting their attention somewhere else. Now, at this moment, this person has a decision to make, a very important choice to make. They could just not put this into any bracket. They could, they could stay away from conscious interpretation of what is going on. Just recognize that the response that they have got in that communication is that people are disinterested. And leave it there. That's good enough. The unconscious can pick it up from there and build in the circuits necessary so that the next time you're having a conversation, you do it differently. But instead, if this person goes in their head saying, why do these people leave me? Maybe because I haven't done something successful in my life. or Maybe because uh, I don't have enough money. Now what they have done is they have taken sensory rich feedback, which is during the conversation, some people weren't fully interested in continuing that conversation. And that's sensory-rich information. And they have distorted it by giving an excuse, by giving a reason, a because, so-and-so. 
Now what they have essentially done by doing that is they have killed this great system in them that is capable of building powerful intuitions because they just burnt that feedback. Now this is true in a lot of situations, not just when people are interacting with people. It is true when somebody is trying to learn to play the guitar. It is true when somebody is doing business. As long as you are able to get into a state of mind where you are doing something and you're able to recognize what the output of that is and you don't attach an excuse or a reason or consciously try to analyze why, your body does something incredible. It builds the circuits necessary for great intuition. Now there is a time to analyze. That's when you're out of that moment. So you come back home or maybe you have a monthly business review or a weekly review. Then you look back and you look back objectively with all the data, with all the connecting points. And you make a shift in your behavior and you verify if that is working or not. So I'm not proposing that you don't analyze consciously. I'm only proposing that we change the sequence. We first accept data from an uptime state. And then we gather enough of them so that it makes meaningful sense to consciously analyze later. This is one of the easiest ways to build powerful intuitions. Just giving yourself the opportunity to have an ongoing continuous feedback based on the results that you are after in that particular context. And in each situation, in each context, you might learn that your intuitions are more reliable in one situation than the other. And with more and more training, you would get closer and closer to making fantastic decisions in contexts where you didn't make such decisions before. The other thing about intuitions is sometimes people can feel confused and a confusion can mean, well, I'm confused, but I must do this. And sometimes the confusion can mean, I'm confused, but I mustn't do this. I'm confused, but I shouldn't do this. And if you go back in time to a time when you felt confused, you might recognize that these two feelings are very similar. It's a state where you don't know what to do. Now, if you pay careful attention to the position of the feeling when it happens, the direction in which that physical sensation in your body is moving, is it is it a pressure down? Is it lighter? Is it pulling in? Is it coming out? Is it a circle? And if you pay attention to the speed and direction in which it's moving, you would observe that there is a variation, that all confusions are not the same, that there are very subtle differences in one confusion from the other. And what this means is that you can start mapping out by looking back so when you have a specific type of response, a specific type of confusion, and you pay attention to the kinesthetic submodalities, like where is that feeling sensation on my body? How does it move? What speed at which it moves? And then when you look back later, after you have recognized the result from that decision, you can start naming these intuitions. 
So one confusion can be the go ahead confusion, and the other confusion could be the stop confusion. Um, so it no longer is confusion, but it becomes a clear intuition. Confusion is because you haven't differentiated two very distinct intuitions which appear similar. They're similar, but not the same. And the minute you're able to distinguish what each of them means, then now you have your entire body, neurology, experiences of a lifetime coming to you in the form of intuition that you can clearly recognize and appreciate and move forward. This is true for hiring. This is true for which partners you want to have in your business. This is true for which school do you want to put your child in. You will be making decisions in your life. You will be making decisions on hiring. You'll be making decisions on who to partner with. And having great decision-making skills will change everything. One single difference in your life, the ability to make better decisions by being in the moment fully and using the wisdom of your whole self can change everything in your life for the better. Obviously, this is a very brief introduction to how neurolinguistic programming can help you make great decisions. I'm signing off. This is Antonosola John. Continue to grow blissfully, and I'll see you soon in my next podcast. Mm-hmm.